The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Nancy Allspaw-Jackson. And I'm Shannon Penrod, and I'm so thrilled to be here with my good friend, Nancy. we got a big show for you today, and we're really excited. Uh, we have a, a gentleman who's going to be on in just a few minutes who is an Elvis impersonator, and we're both very excited about that. And then a little bit later, we've got an amazing autism mom for our autism family portraits. Marcia Easley is going to be with us a little bit later on. We just want to remind everybody now that Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy is now on, on Thursday mornings. We are are pre-taping it on Wednesday afternoons, but most of the time I generally tune in to watch when the show plays live if you guys have questions. So if you're watching this live, I'm, chances are I'm probably there and ready to take questions because um, we still want it to be interactive for you guys. It just seemed that overwhelmingly people were watching it um, in podcast as opposed to live. So we made that de decision to do that. And now it's playing on Thursdays, not on Fridays. So it's a lot of things to change, but we hope that you guys will, will tune in and be here with us. I'm hand feeding my dog to keep her quiet. So you're going to see me <laughs> lean over. I've got, the thing is, is I've got little dog biscuits, but I have the sausage treats and she's holding out for the sausage oh, treats. So it's going to get interesting here. Uh, yeah, but I'm 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 being staunch. I'm can I just tell you that today I was thinking about the fact that um all the things that I learned from doing ABA with our son, I apply to our dogs. Uh -huh. I just don't apply them as well. Right. Um and this morning as I was feeding them and I was languaging their water for them and languaging their food for them, and then we have a sign, they get their pills and they stand there because they're like, What else are you gonna feed us? And I always say to them, All done all done. And they don't do anything until I do the sign. My dogs have learned that this means all done. And, and so I love that. Uh, but in any case, we've, we've got a lot to cover. Let's just remind everybody, if you're watching us live, we're live on uh, YouTube, we're live on Twitter, we're live on Facebook and about a dozen other sites. Uh, Trayvon will probably show those to you here in a second, or he may have already done it. And um, he's good like that. But we also are available as a podcast. Uh, when the show is over after it's aired live, it's available as a podcast and you can download it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we are the number one rated aut uh, autism podcast. And, and so that's a wonderful thing here. But now we are on the Autism Network and that's a fabulous thing too. So check us out at autismnetwork.com and you'll be able to see there's lots of interesting things there to see and read and do. So we love your interaction though. But Nancy, we got a lot of news to cover today. Where do you want to start? Well, do you want to start with the big brother house guest who yeah. has, gotten, has made a lot of very positive news. Um, the headline on this from Forbes says how one CBS big brother house guest is promoting autism acceptance. And we're talking about a young woman named uh, Brittany D'Angelo. Yeah. And she was a house guest on this uh, this last season of Big Brother on CBS. 
And yes. At the end of the uh, at the finale, uh, the host gave her the a platform to discuss the fact that she has autism, and yeah. she talked extensively about that and uh, was promoting autism acceptance. And, you know, Nancy, I don't, somehow I just don't think that you are a compulsive big brother watcher. No, I'm not. I'm kind of proud to say. And, and let, let's guess who is. You are? Yeah. Oh, totally. I, I watch it compulsively. Okay. And not only that, Jim and I watch it together. It's one of our favorite guilty pleasures. And over the years, autism has been a very hot topic on Big Brother. And for those of you who don't know, there's a house and it's the Big Brother house. And they've been doing this for over a decade. And people get chosen to go in the house. They compete for privileges and things like that. And then people get voted out. Um, And the last person who's won the challenges and is left standing in the house wins a half a million dollars. And the the second to last person, I think, wins $50,000. And then somebody wins like audience favorite and gets like $25,000. So, you know, used to be that was big money. That is no longer big game show money to win a half a million dollars. And they're, they're stuck in the house with no contact with the out, outside world for like three months. So it's a hefty time commitment. And they're on camera the whole time. There are cameras in the bathroom. There are cameras in the shower and they are forced to be mic'd the whole time. And so it's a big, big commitment for them to be on. And so autism has played a role several times on the show. Um, One year, uh, the person who won claimed to be someone who worked with individuals who were on the autism spectrum. And then later people who, because you can watch the show just an hour or three times a week, or you can subscribe to the live feeds and watch everything that they say. I don't, I don't do that. But um, somebody revealed that there were times that he made derogatory comments about his clients. Yes, and he still won, um, but he lost his job by the time he came out. And then a couple of years ago, um, there was a young man who went in and did not disclose that he was on the spectrum and he won. And then afterwards disclosed that he was on the spectrum. And then, I don't know, in COVID, like, the first summer of COVID, he um, they had an all-star cast and he came back. So he had already announced to the world that he was on the spectrum. And so now he was going into the house to compete as a person on the spectrum, a known person on the spectrum. And the way that a few, only a few of the other house guests treated him drove me bat, poop, you know, uh, crazy. And I, it was something that we kept talking about. I still talk about it, you know, pretty much on a weekly basis, how they berated him for rocking, uh-huh. um, which just makes me nuts because then you, you watch them and the one girl who, you know, she was like, I don't know, he's making me nervous. And her foot was going like this. And I was like, well, let's all ostracize her because she bounces her foot when she's nervous. I just have no tolerance for people who are that self-centered. But so then the last season, and by the way, Big Brother is about to start a new season just in a couple of days. And my house is excited about it. I'm going to admit that. Um, but last summer, um, when they did the, um, the uh, it was all new people. And Brittany was one of the people. And Brittany came, you know, they all, 
they sort of archetype people and say, this is who this person is. And then that person gets to reveal to the other house guests what they want to reveal. And sometimes like the guy who won was a lawyer. He didn't tell the other house guests that he was a lawyer. He just said that he, I think he said he was a teacher and she went in and said that she was a teacher. I, I'm pretty sure she didn't reveal that she like is a black belt in karate and um, because she didn't want them to know she'd be good at competitions but she was hilarious, Nancy. Mm -hmm. She oh, she was hilarious. She she would every day she would do a rap. Uh -huh. She would make up a rap about what was ever happening. And she just she just felt everything so passionately. She was just one of the fun people to watch on the show. And they kept putting her, they it's this thing where two people are up on the block that have to be voted out against each other every week. And every week it was Brittany. They would put her on the block every single week. And every week she would just cry and she would go, why me? Why am I always the person on the block? And then she would survive it. And, and she was just wonderful. And I read that she has a lot of talent. She's a dance instructor. And yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. let me ask you though, Shannon, could you tell that she was on the spectrum? No, you know, I mean, I, I certainly thought that, well, here's, here's what should have been my first guess was that I just really liked her. You know what I mean? I thought, look at her. She's not, there's a bunch of people who come on and just lie. And she lied a little bit. She didn't tell them things about herself, but she didn't stand there and lie to their face about something that just happened. She was just kind to everybody, but there were other people on the show as well, but she was just funnier and and she certainly was quirky, but you know me, I love quirky. Why would you not be quirky? What What's that about? Um, so anyway, I just thoroughly enjoyed her. We hated it when she got voted out and got sent to the jury house. And, and then we got to the finale night and, you know, they picked the winner and everything. And then Julie Chen said, you have something to say. And she said, yeah, here's what I have to say. And here's my prejudice. I thought, oh, okay. All right, so she's one of those kiddos that got a diagnosis later on. Right. No, she was diagnosed at 22 months. 22 months. And her mother was a counselor, a mm -hmm. counselor. They got her into early treatment, no surprise there. Yeah. And she credits her family with all of her success yep. and, you know, said she truly had a village around her. And uh, she went on to quite a few accomplishments. She's got a master's degree. Yep. And uh, several. And she's a nice person. Uh -huh. She's a nice person and she's talented. Her raps were hilarious. I thought she purported herself really well in the house. I love that, you know, afterwards when asked why she didn't tell them, she said, cause I wanted them to get to know me for me. Right. You know, this is a part of who I am, but you know, it's not what I lead into the room. So anyway, we just sort of love her and we love, the, there's this wonderful article about her on Forbes. And obviously I'm going to be putting, putting in a request to have her on the show. Yeah, she was, she was just lovely. She was yeah, one of our favorite. We, I think we were pulling for her to win the best, uh, the house guest favorite. I don't uh -huh. think she did. If I don't, if I remember correctly, I don't think she did, but I think we voted for her because we just yeah. liked her the best. So right. there you go. Well, well, let's try to get her on the show. That'd be great. Yes, absolutely. So uh, anyway, moving on to something a, a little bit uh, denser. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, right. Um, from Johns Hopkins Magazine. 
So we're not going to talk about, you know, credibility here because this is directly from Johns Hopkins University. And the title is How Organoids Can Help Drive Autism Research Forward. And I said to Nancy before, I was like, oh, Nancy, I read this, thought I understood it, had to read it again, still don't know what the takeaway is. And we kind of went through it. And Nancy helped me out to get there. But, um, but what caught my eye about it is that we talk on the show a lot about pesticides mm -hmm. and about the growing pile of research that show that if you have a child on the autism spectrum, you should be trying to go as organic as possible and be as pesticide aware as you possibly can. We talked about this with Dr. Grampiche on the show on Tuesday. And um, now I think that this is even more important. And I hadn't seen research about this. The idea that the, that children who are exposed to common pesticides in the womb or in their first year of life are more likely to develop autism. Yes. And this was the it was a fascinating method. Uh, a team of researchers turned to human-derived brain organoids, and those are miniature brain models grown using stem cells, and they exposed these organoids to pesticides. Um, and that's how they determined that um, the risk factors for art autism uh, because of an environmental hazard, can uh, hit children more than, I'm getting all tongue-tied here. Um, it's a lot. It's dense. But I think, you know, it is very important to note um, one of the one of the big pesticides that they used is one that was just banned in August of last year. Um, but here's what I know from interviewing the guy who is Ken Cook, who is the head of environmental working group, is that um, he does this amazing talk. I think it's called 10 Americans. And, I, I, you know, spoiler alert here, but he, he goes to this whole thing and says, I want to describe for you 10 Americans and what we found in their blood. And, you know, there's stuff that's been banned since 1942 in their blood. And then he says to you, you know, who do you think these 10 Americans are? And you basically, you know, everybody says, I think it's somebody who's a coal miner who's 78 and it's newborn babies uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, that pesticides stick around for a really long time. So even though that pesticide was banned in August of last year, it's, it'll be around throughout our lifetime and our children's lifetimes. And it really goes to show that, you know, there are things that are out there and on the market that are not good for our kids, and we need to be very mindful of them and minimize their exposure to them. Right. And there was a genetic component to this as well. Um, well, organoids. And, and I don't, I'm, I'm not even going to pretend that I understand that part of it, Nancy, right. but if you do, go for it. Well, there was, they, there was a genetic component, so there... It was an interaction between the environmental toxin and genetics. So, um, well, yeah. I would just encourage everyone, if you have a history of autism in your family, that you should be getting as organic as possible. And certainly your children should be as organic as possible. And we've talked about that ad nauseum on the show. It took me a while it wasn't until 2012 after I saw that first initial study that talked about how there was a direct correlation between an inability to focus and the amount of pesticide load in a child's body and why. And I and all the light bulbs went off and I went, oh, we're stopping that stuff. 
-hmm. right now, right here. And now there just have been study upon study upon study that says it's no bueno um, for your kids. So what did you do with your chin? You went to organic food and organic cleaning products? You know, we were all at that point, we were already at organic cleaning products, to be honest. Uh, we'd already done that before when Jem was diagnosed, but we certainly went getting out the dog biscuits. Um, we, what we did was I followed Ken Cook's advice from environmental working group and we went as organic as we possibly could because it's impossible to set the site and go, oh, we're only going to be organic all the time. It, it just, that isn't feasible. But he, even his organization puts out the dirty dozen and the clean 15 and, and it changes every year. They do tests and they test crops from different places and they come back and they say, here are the 12 things this year you should not eat because unless you're eating them organic because they've had pesticides dumped on them because they, they had like an aphid outbreak, outbreak or stuff that I would never be able to follow. They do the work for you. So we, we follow the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15 and even when we're out at a restaurant, unless it says it's organic, I will not eat those things on the Dirty Dozen. Hmm. I get I don't feel well if I do. I'm just being honest. Wow. So um, that's what we did. And I saw a difference in myself and my health. And I saw a difference in my son's health. And, and I saw a difference in both of our ability to focus. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm a believer. Um, but there we go. Uh, we, we got to get one more story in before we, uh, welcome our guests to join us. Um, but there's a gentleman who has opened, um, he's about to open, uh, a museum. This is Xavier de Groot. I hope I haven't yes, slaughtered his last name. That's right. And, um, in Lansing, Michigan, he is about to open, I believe it opens next week, February 4th. At 6.30 p.m., um, he's opening the uh, Xavier uh, DeGroat Autism Foundation Museum, and it's all about autism. And it's at a shopping mall. And I love that. I, You know, more and more shopping malls are the host to children's museums, which I think is brilliant. It's, uh, it's the Meridian Mall, which is mm -hmm. somewhere in Lansing. Yeah. He himself is on the autism spectrum. He has Asperger's. Yes. And I, I love this. I mean, I'd love to, if I were going shopping, I would certainly go in and take a tour of it. And um, what a wonderful thing to do. I just thought that this was a remarkable story. And he says, I would characterize myself as an autism awareness advocate. And we just want to say good on you, Xavier. Yes. Uh, what an amazing thing. I, I love that it has a sensory friendly educational yeah. program um, that he's inspired by from Mr. Rogers neighborhood, because he says that he was uh, Mr. Rogers was a role model of his growing up. So He's looking forward to having schools visit for field trips. Um, highlight uh, incredible people who have been on the spectrum throughout history. So he's going to do that. Love that. Elon Musk. And uh, yeah, so opening soon. That It'll open on Friday, February 4th at 6.30 p.m. And if you're in the area, you can, uh, there are tickets on sale for the VIP event. They're um, $50 for, 
for regular tickets and $100 for VIP tickets. And that all goes to the foundation, which does other things besides this, but to help keep the museum running. So fantastic. Exactly. Super love it. Uh, we'll have to reach out and see if he wants, once he's all opened and everything, yeah. maybe uh, Xavier would like to be on. But Nancy, we have a guest who's joining us and uh, he is, uh, uh, and I'm hoping that he's there with us. I can't tell Traven if he's there with us. He is. I can see an Elvis picture. Hello. <laughs> I don't know whether to call you Elvis or to buy your real name. What, how Aaron. would you like to be Aaron? Aaron Aaron, we're so happy to have you on the Thank show. You so much. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I was listening to you guys before that. Um, interesting, interesting little bit there about the uh, yeah, shopping center. We're big uh, Elvis fans, Aaron, so we're thrilled to have you on. But Shannon and I are big, big Elvis fans. And we have with us now Aaron Smith, who, as you can see, is an Elvis impersonator. And uh, Aaron, tell us how you got started with this. I'm, I'm fascinated to find out your history. Well, when I was a younger, when I was younger, I will say younger, um, I got fascinated with the movies, the Vegas stuff. Um, I watched a movie with my dad called That's the Way It Is, which was filmed at the Las Vegas, the International, then it became the Hilton. But um, I was fascinated by, by the 50s, but the 70s, his charisma on stage and the way he was able to really work a room, I thought, what a dynamic entertainer. And that there was something special about him that I really liked. And then I dove into the the world of impersonating and tribute artists and that it was a thing. So I started in high school to, to like music over sports. So, and then after graduating high school, um, I found out this Elvis tribute thing was a thing. So I kind of dove into that head first. First it was the songs, then it was mentors, different people my in the Elvis tribute community in Vegas and such that uh, kind of learning things from costuming, stage presence, songs, that sort of thing. And the makeup part, which totally new for me, totally new that the hair and the makeup and the fact that it now before a show, I have to plan a show like an hour ahead of time so I can do the hair and the makeup, but probably at seven or eight years old. Okay. Wow. Great. And, and we had to do a lot because there was a big scheduling uh, thing uh, to make sure that we had time for you to be on. And I appreciate you being flexible, Aaron, to get you on. That's totally fine. I, I would, you guys would have laughed at me because like with COVID, I haven't been traveling and performing as much as I used to. So, you know, with autism, you need that routine. And I, it was my fault. I got on super early and then I was like, oop, wrong time. So I, I mean, I was happy because I had to do the hair and makeup, which like I rushed myself and then I'm like, oh, cool. I guess I can go to the grocery store now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think, you know, we were talking about this before we came on the air that, um, you know, cause there was, there are several different time eras for Elvis. And when you're an Elvis impersonator, most of you choose an era, a time, but is, so is this your, your seventies Elvis and you only do seventies Elvis, or do you also do younger as well? I usually do from 69 to about 72, 73. Okay. That's very specific. Yeah. Well, like opening, opening night in Vegas. Like I always say the in-between years from like 69 to like right after the leather, the 68 special, right Right after that to about Aloha from Hawaii. Okay. 
All right. Now, Aaron, you are on the spectrum yourself. Tell us about Yes. Yes, I am high functioning. I am autistic. I have Asperger's. I have ADHD. I have OCD. I have, I have everything. It's great. <laughs> I love it. It's the whole library. No, um, I'm very, very high functioning. I know when I was younger, math and reading were my hardest subjects in in school to to master and to learn. I did have an aid, which did help. But being high functioning, it, it's a blessing and it's a curse because in the educational world of things, when I was younger, I didn't always get the help I needed because I looked so capable. So it, it, it looked like he, he's sort of playing the system, if you will, right. which was very unfortunate because I think, and that was in the early 2000s, I don't think schools really had... I guess the grasp on how to do individualized learning, okay. which was hard for me in a public school. I ended up going to a private school, but in public school, it was hard for them to grasp that because it was almost getting past. I was getting passed along because it took me so long to get the subject to the topic. Aaron, I'm curious, when you decided to do your first Elvis performance, like what were the circumstances around that? And what was it like when you said to your parents, you know what I want to do? I want to be an Elvis, a tribute performer. I, you know, first of all, my mom always pushed me. I, you know, my mom and, and my sister and my dad were always very supportive. But it was interesting because for a while it was like, is this going to be you know, what you want to do, or are you going to, you know, kind of get a normal job, if you will. And I did a little bit of both, but it, it, it didn't really pick up. It was just sort of a hobby. And at a young age, I remember doing my first show, I was like seven or eight years old, uh, singing to a boombox and, and just being, he's so adorable. He's so cute. Let me get a scarf from the cute little Elvis kid. Like, <laughs> but, um, and then as I got older, I took it more seriously. Obviously, I did have jobs in between then, um, but I would go through like a job coach or a vocational job coach at, at, di at different jobs just to, you know, work lots of temp jobs. But um, diving into Elvis, I never stopped. I don't think I ever stopped. I mean, I'd have to say the, the playing Memphis in 2017 was incredible. That, that was probably like my, so far my best moment of my Elvis world, because I mean, I got to meet some of his entourage there. I got to sing in Sun Records. Um, I got to perform down there on Beale Street. Um, but it was probably the most nervous I've ever been in my life too, because I had to work out for like three months to get in shape because I didn't want to be later Elvis. And then it was getting the costuming. The costuming is more expensive than the traveling. And let me ask you, Erin, have you found that your Asperger's diagnosis has, how has that affected your performing as Elvis, being a tribute artist? Um, in the beginning, it affected me working with, with different local performers or other, other tribute artists because a lot of the, I'm one of the youngest ones um, in, in my state. Um, and I was getting mentored by some of the older ones or older, 
more veterans of the business. Um, and it was hard because rehearsing and working one-on-one was hard because sometimes those entertainers, I don't want to say they didn't understand, but they didn't understand it. But they also, I, I want to say they found it annoying and like didn't always want to work with me rehearsal wise because of that, because I wasn't always like, even when I would go to the studio, cause I have a friend who has a studio in his house, he does Elvis. And when I would go to the studio, I found it difficult because he would get very irritated with me in the studio. Cause I even, even, you know, I guess the fact that I was so set on doing certain songs and the fact that he'd be like, sometimes you're just difficult to work with, you know, and, and, and I get that, but that it was hard with those older uh, people that didn't understand it and then would get frustrated with me. And I sometimes wouldn't understand after doing a session why they were so frustrated. It's so funny. It never occurred to me. I don't know if it ever occurred to you, Nancy, that, there are so many Elvis tribute performers and impersonators out there. It never occurred to me that you would work in concert with each other and train each other and have mentorship. And, you know, I know among clowns, there's a whole clown culture. I didn't realize that there was a whole Elvis tribute performer culture, but it makes sense to me. And, you know, I'm sorry that, it, that, that it was made difficult for you or that people said those things to you, Erin. But clearly you per persevered through that and have continued on and continue to perform. And then along comes COVID and makes it very hard to get gigs and to, to perform. Talk a little bit about how you weathered that. And then of course, we want you to give information to people about how they can contact you if they're looking for an Elvis tribute performer. Absolutely. You know, I'm so glad you said that because COVID, before COVID, I was just starting to get my foot back in the door. I was working with a lot of the younger guys. Um, there's some guys in different states that do it. Um, I actually just got back. I, this was a vacation. It wasn't a, a Elvis thing, but I had just gotten back from Washington, D.C. I was out there with a buddy of mine who travels with me. And uh, we just took a little vacation out there uh, to help his some of his family and then just make a vacation out of it. And it, right when we got back was when things started to get like crazy, crazy. I mean, and then first the anxiety kicked in for me because that's so much fun that normal was shutting down. So I was just thinking, what's next? What's next? What's our normal? What are we going to, what's going to happen? And then secondly, um, at the time I was working, I ended up um, leaving that job um, because I had a family member who had some health issues. So it was spend time with the family versus work. And then the anxiety part of, of a lot of people who are, who are in my circle and who have been kind of my team, I say, um, were like, you know, he won't do much good working because his anxiety is going to keep on his mind. He's just not going to be productive and he's going to, it's going to stress him out more than it's going to benefit him. So we all just decided that, that, that I would step out from that. But then having the music going, um, and my show is going and that, that, I guess that positive, uh, outlet that was very difficult because I found myself in my house quite a bit in my apartment quite a bit. And I mean, I'm an extrovert. I love being around people. So I found myself with so much time on my hands. And then as it got worse, the anxiety just completely overrid my mind to where I was just, I had no outlet. I had no shows. I had no traveling and 
I just kind of, I reached, I, I have a psychiatrist. I'm not shy about saying that I see someone because I think people need, that's something people need to talk about. And that's something people should absolutely not feel ashamed of doing, getting help. So many people bottle it up and that's, I, I think that's what's, what's hurting us. But um, it was just difficult. It was difficult. And then eventually when the vaccine came available, um, I did get mine. I got my booster. I wasn't paranoid about it because I've gotten shots all my life, get them in, you know, before school, whatever. Um, but I was going to go down to Florida and I didn't want to go down to Florida without it. I, I, I said no to that type of trip. I said, unless it's made available and I can get this, I'm not going to go down there. It's going to stress me out. It's going to change me on stage. I, I'm just not going to do that. And so that was the first time I was like traveling and out since COVID was Florida last year. And it was helpful, but it was still um, on my mind. And I was still wondering, would we get back to touring and traveling and performing? And, and you know, because this la end of last year when we were able to start doing it, I usually would play with a band. Well, because of the COVID numbers and having so many people in a building and a space, I would do it with a backing track or a karaoke track because the less people on stage, the more people that can be in the audience to come to the show. So, so that was, that was new too. Cause I found myself, I guess, I don't know, ending early on songs and the track still going. It was just, it was getting used to working with a machine versus a band behind me. And the interaction was a little different, but I don't think it's ever going to get back to normal. I, and I don't think the anxiety will subside until for a while <laughs> for me personally. I, I but don't. you're going to continue performing. Yes. 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 And yes. Let's talk about how people can reach you and find out about you before we have to say goodbye. Absolutely. Um, you can go on Facebook at Elvis tribute artist, Aaron Smith. Um, my email's on there. My phone number's on there. Um, I also just set up uh, Twitter and um, Instagram as well. So um, I will try to get those uh, posted up there in the near future. And any other inquiries, you can find me on Facebook or you can uh, private message me on Facebook as well. Erin, it's been such a delight to meet you and we Thank wish you, you all the best luck. And I hope at some point I get to see you do your thing. I would love that. You two look like you look like some fun ladies. So I would love to <laughs> love, love to perform. <laughs> and we love Elvis. That's we love we Elvis. So El we go El go Elvis. Go Elvis. Absolutely. Erin, be best to you. And we'll you we'll look much. forward to hearing more good things about what you're up to. Thank you very much. Thank you have all a right, wonderful take care. day. Bye. Bye bye. Uh, so super fun. So super fun. Uh, I, I, I love when people decide to do something because it's something that they're passionate about. Would it, would it ever occur to you that why it could grow up to be an Elvis tribute performer? Yeah, never. never. Right. Yeah. I'm sure it was a surprise to his mom too, yeah. but you know, what a fun thing to do. Okay. So our next guest, uh, it's time for our autism family portraits and, she is a wonderful mom, a brilliant author, 
uh, someone that we love dearly. And I don't know about you, but I, I feel like Marcia is a friend of mine because we, we are, you and I are both really good friends with one of her best friends. And I've met Marcia. I've been at a couple events, uh, with her as well, but you know, I, I, I would, I'm calling her a friend, but I don't know if she, I, she might disavow me because we've only been in a room together maybe twice, but, but I feel like I know her much better than that because she is such close friends with our dear friend, Dana Tierra, who joined us a couple of weeks ago. But, uh, and this is not Marsha's first time on the show. Marsha has been on the show before to talk about her amazing book, but we're welcoming her back to the show. Marsha, are you there? Hello. Hi, ladies. I love your background. It looks like you're in Hawaii. And you know why? Because that's because I'm in Michigan and it's three degrees here. So I'll <laughs> You look very tropical. You look like a breath of spring. You oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't realize that we're doing the Michigan show today. I know. Everybody's from Michigan. We talked about uh, 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 an autism museum opening in the mall in Lansing. And, and, and you're from Michigan. It's the all Michigan show. Okay. Uh, <laughs> who knew? Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, because there's so many things to talk about. And I think I overran. Nancy's better at doing introductions. Did you want to do a, an official introduction, I'll Nancy? Do an official introduction. Okay, you yeah. do it. As we said, this is an autism family portrait because uh, Marsha is an autism mom to a wonderful son named Juan. She is an author, an electrician, um, and an activist. So it's not enough. She's all of those things. Uh, and she's the founder and president of the Pontiac High School's Alumni Scholarship Alliance and CEO and founder of Inspirational Spectrum Heroes. She has a podcast, uh, Coffee, Tea, and Conversation, and she is a Girl Scout leader. So she is all of those wonderful things. <laughs> and let's start, first of all, Marsha, with the fact that you're an autism mom. Tell us about your journey and your son, Ron. Oh, let me tell you. And Shannon, you are my friend. You ladies are both my friends. I'm like honored to be considered your friend. Anyway. But yes, it's so good to be here. Uh, Juan is a fantastic young man. He is now 31 years old. He was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half. Um, my journey was uh, a rocky one because way back then, I didn't know anything about autism and it, nobody was addressing the autism community that much. So there were a few places. So I had to do my own research. Man, you talk about being an advocate. I had to really advocate for myself and research for myself. So um, Juan has taken big strides. Um, you know, when he was in elementary school, he was the first autistic kid in the band. You know, when he and he was in there from the fourth grade to the seventh grade. And he played through xylophones and he was awesome. He was awesome with it. They said we never had a kid with autism. I'm like, well, let's try it. And, you know, when Juan got on the song, he knew the song. He didn't need to practice it anymore. He didn't need to read the music anymore, but he was awesome. Uh, Juan was also the first autistic child in Pontiac to walk across the stage at the high school because they were like, no, he's only getting a certification. He cannot walk the stage. Of course, I went 
to Oakland schools, which I live in Oakland County. Then I went to Lansing, which is the capital here, and went to the special needs departments there. And guess what? Juan got to walk across the stage as the first autistic kid to walk across the stage. So, you know, that was great. Juan also, I took him to a class on uh, doing cameras for um, our, um, our media center here, which is our cable TV network. He talk, took on it. So now Juan does, whenever they need help, they call him to do shoots at parades and basketball games and plays. And they love him because, you know, baseball games, because he just, he just so focused and he get he don't need a lot of instruction. So he's doing a lot of things. And so now Juan, I don't know if you want to move right on, but now Juan yeah. has been living on his own for like the last five, six years now. And if you want me to talk about that, I can tell you yeah, about that. Please. Okay. So this was Juan's idea. Juan's 31 now. You know, in my, in Michigan, you can go to school till you're 26. When he got 26, he said, I want to move out. You know, because we all think our kids are going to be with us forever. So I'm like, I never even thought about that. So, you know, I had a lot of apprehensions and, you know, I went and visited, started visiting homes. But he 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 predicted it. He said, I'm going to live in Clarkston. That's a little town by my house. Why did a house become available in Clarkston? And what the way they do it here, we go through a, a place called the Macomb, Macomb uh, Oakland Regional Center. And what they do is they're a big agency that has a lot of resources for people with autism and special needs. So they get together with people who want to use their houses to rent out to people with autism. So people who have houses to rent, they register with them. And then when they become available, then they register people who, you know, the individuals who want to be out on their own. So they register them and they get into their, you know, they try to find roommates that they're compatible with. So while I've been doing this, it, I call it a support home. I don't call it a group home. I call it a support home because he has people from another agency that's there just for their support to make sure they get to work, to make sure if they take meds, they get their meds. If they need to go to the grocery store, to take them out on outings in the community. So they have to sign the lease, they have to pay their own bills, they have to you know, cook food, but sometimes they cook food for them depending on the day. So I have seen Juan grow leaps and bounds since he has been in this type of environment. So- Fantastic, and does he have a job as well, Marsha? Yes, he has a job. Okay, great. Yeah, he works at a restaurant called Culver's, and that's not what he wants to do. So I'm looking into trying to get him into, you know, I've been partnering with some people in Pontiac who have their own video companies, uh -huh. and they said they'll be glad to bring Juan in. So I got like two prospects, and uh, it's looking pretty good. So what is it he wants to do? Does he want to work in, you know, what does he want to be a video producer? What does he want to do? He likes behind the scene. He doesn't want to edit or any of that stuff because I tried to get him into the editing. He loves being behind the camera. And so, and he's good at it and he's focused at it. And that's what he's ultimately wants to do. Well, I wish he was in LA. <laughs> I wish he was in LA, but I love that people are good. People are putting him to work. Let's talk a little bit about your nonprofits and what your goals are for your nonprofits, Marsha. Uh, my nonprofit is called the Inspirational Spectrum Heroes, and it was founded in 20, around 2018. And um, my purpose on that was from coming out there, being around you ladies and seeing all the wonderful things you guys are doing in the autism community, and then looking at what we have in Michigan, you guys have inspired me to no ends. I have volunteered at Nancy's event, the Denim, Denim and Diamonds, 
uh, Holly Robinson's Design Care, Mariba Martin's Evening on the Star. So I come out there, you know, it's a good excuse to travel anyway, but I come out there to volunteer, you know, to be there to help out any way I can and to soak in everything you ladies have to give to me as far as being an uh, autism advocate. So um, my, my foundation is to inform and be a resource for people. I'm not the expert, but I want, and here a lot of people, they call me, okay, my child is 16 and he's doing this. So my child is grown now. I don't know what to do with them now because once they get out of school, resources are there, but a lot of people, they don't know about them. I found out about resources by accident. So I want to be that person when they come, let me take you there. Let me do this. That's, let me put you to the right agency, the right people. And 20, COVID really knocked me for a loop because most of the programs I'm doing with my um, foundation is hands-on because I do the dances and the game nights and the parties and getting them into the gym. Uh, I got yoga instructors that still wants to do things with them, take them bowling, um, get them into the camps here where they have lots of camps, but they cost money. Nothing is free. So it's a main focus on adults, but I you know, also do and try to help out people who have the kids who just... You know, it's a lot of people, you know how it is when you when they get when you get that diagnosis, what do we do? Where do I go? Where do I start? So I try to be that person to kind of, you know, make people feel a little bit better. <laughs> so you're a resource for people. I'm a resource. Okay, uh, you, she's more than that. She's a spitfire because wherever you are and that I mean, I've enjoyed Whenever I've been in an event that you're at, you always are bringing the energy and the positivity, Marsha. You always bring the joy. I don't. I don't think I've ever heard the story of how you and Vena became friends. How do? You, how did you guys first get to know each other? Well, Vena and I became friends in junior high school, which was oh, a couple of years ago. You know, just a couple of years ago. Just yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so. Um, you know, we, would, we went to the same high, uh, junior high school, and I can't tell you exactly the minute, but we were in some classes together, and we just clicked. So we're talking about from the seventh grade on, we just stayed in touch and had just been good friends ever since. And, it's and then you think that you both turned out to be autism moms. And we did. And, you know, at first, I didn't know, because Vanna had kind of backed off a little bit from communicating with me, and I didn't know at the time that she had two children on the autism spectrum. And I didn't find that out till later. And I found out cause she was having hard times. So when I found out, I mean, I hurried up and called her and um, you know, we just been, you know, just back up for each other ever since. So I just- But was it was it Juan who got diagnosed first? Cause he's yes. older? Yeah. Yes. Juan Interesting. Like, yeah, Juan is maybe about eight years older than Carter. You know, Carter's her oldest, five, six yeah. years. So she found out about mine because we just kind of, you know, how you grow older yep. and she's in California. I'm here. She's doing her thing. I'm doing mine. And even though we kept and she I don't know why she didn't divulge that, but I found out and hey, we've been doing it ever since. There you go. You guys are, are great uh, to have together and to have the two of you at an event is just a really wonderful thing. Marsha, I would love for you to take a second to talk about your book. I'd love for you to sell a few books here. Talk, Tell people about your book. This is a huge accomplishment. With everything else you have going on, you wrote a book. Talk, talk about it. I wrote a book and I love my book. And the title of my book is Why Can't I Be a Cougar? And I, it was just, it's just a fun book. It's about women and their relationships. And uh, these women are professional women's and just the things that they go to their friendships, their, you know, their 
good times or bad times and how they're there for each other. Because, you know, sometimes people don't think women can get along, but I have great women friends that I've never had any issues with. So it's really a feel-good book. It makes you laugh. It makes you cry. I have one character. She has an autistic child. And so she's single and dating. And we all know that, you know, when you're, if you're single and you're dating and having a special needs child, that's an extra challenge. So um, that was in my heart to make sure I had a character in there that had that issue for people who don't know about autism and the struggles and the things that we go through. And so where can people get the book? Yeah, sorry. Nancy was saying. It's on Amazon. So Amazon put Marsha Easley. Why can't I be a cougar? It's still on uh, paperback and it's still for sale. I mean, the what I'm doing right now with it is trying to, I am not trying, I am making it into a script and I want to make it into a movie. So, well, so amen that. to that. Uh, you know, I when you came on before to talk about it, I was like, oh, this needs to be a movie. So uh, do you know who you would want to play the roles in it or is that a secret? It's not a secret because it changes all the time as I as the things get up as we get older and I'm like oh well that person's a little bit too old to play that role now because the women's are like in their fifties but you know I want the, I want the good ones I want I want the um, uh, Vanessa Bell Calloway and I want I want Holly Robinson in there I can see her in there I see Angela Bassett oh and I can see I'm in love with Lorenz Tate so I want Lorenz Tate to be in that movie. <laughs> So. Okay. I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. Well, I, I I think when you speak those things into being, that's how they come into being. Yeah. I, I love to stand at Disneyland all the time and go, you know, this was an orange, uh, orange grove. And, yeah. and there was a guy who said, I see this as the biggest thing ever. And, and he kept telling people and a whole bunch of people said, you're crazy. Yeah. And he kept saying, nope, I see it. And he was right. So, yeah. you know, uh, I, I love that. Well, we just think that you are amazing. And oh, one, one more thing. Do you still have, your, you still have your podcast? I yeah. still have the podcast. We have been on hiatus since the holidays, but we're going to start back up in February. It's called Coffee Tea Conversations. It's on Facebook live on 10 a.m. on Sundays. And Nancy blessed me with being on our show one time. She was amazing. One of our most viewed shows. So I want to have both of them back at some time in the future, I hope. Yeah, we do. I would, I would love to be on. Uh, and I, I'm free on Sunday mornings. Uh, so absolutely. Uh, and the earlier, the better. I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, you know that's 7 a.m., your time. I know, but that's perfect for me because then the house is quiet and I don't have to tell people to be quiet for an hour. Uh, so I... Listen, I, you know, whenever New York wants me to do something at 5 a.m., I'm like, oh, it's perfect. Let's book that. That's perfect. I know for sure I can keep the house quiet because my dog is barking even as we speak right now. Life is complicated. Uh, Marsha, you're amazing. You're absolutely amazing. And we think that you are just remarkable. We love that our friend, Vena Tiero, introduced us to you um, because you're just another one of the women in the tribe, in the sisterhood, and it yeah. takes all of us. It definitely does. Yeah. Will you please give Juan our, our love? Let's take a second and just go through all the places if people want to know more about your charity and be involved, um, your nonprofit, and where and go over the book again, where we can get it, and where people can follow you. 
Okay. Well, I have my own page as Marsha Easley on Facebook. I'm also on uh, Instagram, Marsha Easley 111 at Instagram. Uh, I have a Twitter page, Marsha Easley. Um, I also have my Inspirational Spectrum Heroes has its own page, group page on Facebook. And I also have a website, which is www.inspirationalheroes.com. Um, my book is on Amazon. I have a page on Facebook called um, uh, Why Can't I Be a Cougar? Let's Talk Relationships, where we are having a great time on there. So we talk about all kinds of topics on there. So we just have a lot of fun. I just like a good grown-up fun. So, And then I have my Girl Scout troop. Yay, Girl Scouts. So that's something I took on because in our area, there's no Girl Scout leaders. Nobody wants to be the leader. So I'm trying to make, change a few little girls' life. You're amazing. And it's cookie season. Are you selling the cookies? I'm selling cookies. I'm going to send you guys a link so uh, you can do order it. them online and they do will it. deliver them. I got to tell you, I saw the coolest thing the other day. Somebody that I used to work with, her daughter is in the Girl Scouts. So they made a video mm -hmm. and they put it on Facebook and it was hilarious with the link so that any of us from anywhere could order Girl Scout cookies. If you put up a link to... Uh, sell uh, Girl Scout cookies, I will buy some, Marsha. Uh, so I don't know who I'm giving them to because nobody in our house needs the sugar, but I'll buy some Girl Scouts. I believe in, in supporting Girl Scouts in their entrepreneurship. You know, I think that that kind of, um, you know, the way Girl Scouts go out and sell those cookies is, is good. We've seen generations of young women uh, oh, oh, there we go. Traven said he would like a, a box of tagalongs. I'm gonna buy Traven a box of tagalongs. Okay. Uh, so there we go. Um, I think it's important to to support. So send us the link and we'll we'll put it up and we'll sell some Girl Scout cookies. Well, let me tell you what I, I have one special need child in my uh, Girl Scout troop, and I'm gonna see go to the school system and see if I can get some more young ladies who are autistic, whatever, into into the troop. So. All right. Let me know what her link is so that she gets the credit for Traven's tagalongs. Okay. <laughs> I, and my husband is going to be like, what about me? But he doesn't need them. Uh, so there you go. Marcia, you're amazing. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. We can't wait until you're back for the next thing to volunteer for and we can all be out and about. Yes. Yes. That'll be super fun. And maybe I want to see Vena do comedy in person, uh, but it has to, COVID has to be a little bit better for me to venture out for that. But someday we're going to be at comedy together to see Miss V. Yes, I can't. Well, I've seen her several times and she's, sure. she's growing by leaps and bounds with her comedy. So she's it makes her happy. So I'm yeah, happy with does. her. She's hilarious. All right. Well, thank you, Marsha, for being with us. And you have a wonderful rest of your week. Bye, Marsha. Okay. Thank you, ladies, for having me. I'm, I feel so humble. Thank you, ladies. Thank, thank you. you, honey. All right. Bye-bye. 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 So, should you tell us yeah. some of the things that are coming up on the show? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, none whatsoever. Uh, I know that I know that we've got some really amazing guests that are coming up, but at the moment it all escapes me. Um, I'm I'm at that point in the program, Nancy, where I I used to be able to retain information. I could just sit here and list names, and I can't do it anymore. So I need to have the calendar printed up. But we've got some really amazing guests that are coming up, um, and I I just want to say that. Um, Thank you to everybody. I know change is hard 
And when we, there is my dog, I'm so sorry. When we made the switch from Friday to Thursday, I know it was really hard for you guys, but here's the big news that I haven't even told Nancy is that we are, we have plans to get back into the studio. For the first time since COVID, we have plans to get back into the studio. We, we have a studio that we're, we're, it's, I'm, you know, fingers crossed. It's not a hundred percent sign sealed delivered yet, but we're close. We're within days of signing. Um, and that certainly by, uh, you know, in sometime in April, we're going to be back in the studio. We're hoping to get back at the end of March so that we, you know, I've said to the, the place that we're looking at, we would really like to do our first live show back on World Autism Awareness Day. But, you know, we'll try. But I don't, I don't know that we're going to make it. But we're also hoping to debut our new show then, which is Stories from the Spectrum, which will be all uh, people who are neurodiverse. And, and before we go, I really quickly, Nancy, have to say right now we're running a contest um, that is for the new logo for the Autism Network. And we, there's only a couple of days left. You have until uh, the 1st of February to get your design to us. It is only open to artists who describe themselves as being neurodivergent, whatever words you use. Um, but if you consider yourself neurodivergent, you can enter the contest and the winning design will get a $500 honorarium, which is nothing to sneeze at. So we, we would love to have submissions. I know I had said to Nancy a couple of weeks ago, I hope Wyatt will submit. I just want people to know that I'm one of the people on the judging panel and it's totally blind. I'm staying out of it when we get submissions. So myself and the other judges, we're going to hang them up and I won't know which one is Wyatt's. I won't know which one is yours. If you're watching right now, I won't have any idea. So um, in that way, it'll stay fair. And, and we're just going to pick the one that we think resonates the most with what we're trying to do. And, um, but I hope that Wyatt will submit Nancy. I hope he will. Cause he is, I'm just seeing you post. I'm just so proud of you, Nancy, cause you're really starting to post his work on a regular basis from time to time over the years, you've shared stuff with me. And every time you have, I've said, Nancy, this boy is so talented. And you know that I have this vision that I have of him being Look, his name is Wyatt Jackson. If what? that is not the name of the next great American painter, then I don't know what is. And he is a painter. That is really his primary form. He doesn't really do much illustration, but I'll talk to him about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, the only thing is, is that it has to say the words, the Autism Network. Uh -huh. But, you know, there are ways to do that over a painting. Right, right. Um, so... Um, he's an artist and I, you know, but his stuff, I'm so proud of you that you've been posting it. And, um, I, and I have loved watching people's reactions to it, Nancy. Everybody is like, oh my gosh, yes, they so, are. so amazing. I hope, I hope you're taking that in. I is know. he aware of how much people are loving his stuff? No, not really, but I, I will impress that upon him and show him some of the comments. Well, we've been saying for years, Nancy, that at some point, you know, you were going to do a show and that I was going to help you with it. And, you know, stuff has happened along the way. Right. Um, but it, you know, as soon as we come out of this last crest, we need to move on that. Yes, we do. 
And maybe it needs to be virtual so that all of our viewers can see it, but there has to be at least one day where people can come to a place in the gallery and, and ooh and ah over his work so he can hear it. Right. He, he needs sold, to hear. He sold five paintings now. I'm sure because... You know, I, I've looked at some of the stuff that you have posted. I have, the, for the last few years, have had one of his pieces of art hanging in my office. And in our new studio, I'm, I want, you know, we've got a bunch of walls, Nancy. I'm excited. I really want to showcase uh, something. So at some point, I'm going to have to buy another piece of his art. But, I, you know, I, I've loved watching people go, okay, are they for sale? Can I purchase? Um, the boy is talented. The young man. He's not a boy anymore. He he's has a young his own man. Instagram um, and um, Facebook page now. Um, okay. Let me. Mom's on it. Those are. The Facebook is YART Autism, W Y capital A R T space capital A U T I S M. And the Instagram is YART underscore autism. So there we go. Just amazing. Um, he does some, my, my, my mother, so my grandmother used to live down the street from Grant Wood, who uh, painted American Gothic. And the, the funny thing is Grant Wood was a, a, an artist in Iowa. And one of the paintings that he painted, he painted American Gothic and he painted that house with the Gothic window in it. And my mother's family lived up in Cedar Rapids down the street from the, from the artist. But then he traveled two hours south to paint the building that my, my father's family lived in that house, the Grant Wood, the, the Arch House. Um, but so this is all a long story to tell you that my great grandmother, who had lived down the street with Grant Wood, uh, always used to say that he he was he was a nice young boy, but then he went to Europe and he came back and and was just a little snooty. But she said, I will say this is always the famous phrase that she would say. But she said, but he sure paints pretty pictures. <laughs> and that, and I think of that every time I look at Wyatt's pictures because I just go, oh, he sure does paint some pretty pictures. Um, so anyway, oh my goodness, look at how on it Traven oh, is. Traven it's is. a frog he did and a Georgia O'Keeffe uh, reproduction he did of a building. Uh, you know, and, and the thing about Wyatt is that he can do different styles. My favorite, Nancy, is the one that he did that was mixed media. But I remember when you showed me this Georgia O'Keeffe and I went, oh, because the amount of detail. Yeah, he did that when he was 14 or 12, I guess. I, and and I'll be honest with you, when you showed me this, because on his other paintings, like he likes to explore color and texture. Yeah, um, wow. But but look at this. I mean, there's there's one with the cow that yeah, you posted yeah, too yeah. that I just went gazanga over yeah, Nancy. Yeah. I just, but they're all beautiful. Well, they're all you. just beautiful. Now, did somebody buy the frog? Uh, nobody's bought the frog yet. Oh, I thought somebody bought oh, the frog. They bought a, pr a print of it. I had a print made of the frog. Well, you'll have to talk to Traven about the... Andrea Watkins, the brilliant ah. tutor, uh, educational tutor, bought a print of the frog for her office. There we go. I thought that somebody I knew had gone well, crazy over the frog. Yeah. 
Well, you'll have to talk to Traven about NFTs um, because I don't understand it, but Traven does. I don't understand that either. Traven can explain it to you. Okay. Um, Traven knows all these things. Traven is good like that. Anyway, we're way out of time, but uh, we're going to be back tomorrow with a best of show. Um, And I don't know who's on it. So you'll have to tune in and see. And then we're back live on Monday. So until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And give yourselves a hug from me. Bye-bye for now.